0: Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last podcast. Benvenuti all podcast de giro. Smooth as silk there. Speaking fluent Italian since last weekend was the Italian Grand Prix at Monza, and I think we were treated to a little bit of a little bit of a good race for for Monza. Been slightly maligned as a track for being somewhere that there's not a, low of, a lot of overtaking, but I think we saw a fair share down down there.
1: Um, Certainly in the midfield, yeah, absolutely. Um, as we always say on the show, there's good battles if you look for them throughout the field. So,
0: indeed, I
1: that was true this weekend,
0: uh, uh, and some. Some supreme driving skills to uh, miss inanimate objects by some of the drivers.
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, well,
0: they, they certainly need to teach that to um, young Max Verstappen after his uh, little shunt in his uh, debut um, test run for Red, uh, Red Bull. Did you see that on the interwebs?
1: When was that? I don't think I've seen that.
0: Oh, it was. It was last week. He was doing a little sort of demo run in oh, um...
1: one of the promotional video things. was yeah, it? Yeah,
0: and he he was doing donuts and then um, came out of a donut and then binned it into a wall.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> even when he doesn't even have a license to drive a Ford Focus, <laughs> and you give him you give him a six hundred kilo, two hundred uh, miles per hour Formula One car, what I mean, uh, what do you expect? To be honest, <laughs> no. I'm sure it was a, an accident. I'm sure it'll be fine.
0: No conspiracy theories going on there, then.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so Monza, yeah. So you thought it was a good race? I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. I don't. I don't know whether it's because the people that I am generally involved in in Formula One all had interesting races, but I I can imagine that if you were divested in a, in Ferrari. You probably hmm. had a very bad race. Got
1: my hand up there.
0: <laughs> and if you're invested in Mercedes, after about, you know, fifteen laps, it became very boring as well. <laughs> Got my hand up there as well. <laughs> so I can I can kind of understand that uh, a lot of it would have to have been done about how interested you are about midfield battles and thankfully at the moment I am.
1: <laughs> I was very interested up to a point, but then I think for me it became a little bit processional towards the uh the from the midpoint onwards.
0: I guess after the first stop there was a there was a, a quite a few laps where it was people finding you know settling down into where they were sort of going to be after the stops you know what once all the sort of jostling had done there was a there was a small lull in proceedings I think
1: but- the problem the problem with Monza for me is when the tire wear is so little that you can one stop quite easily and then without refueling, from a strategic point of view, it can get a bit boring because, you know, everybody does their one stop and then that's kind of it. And there's no there's no more, you know, is he going to come in early, mm-hmm. late kind of dynamic to it. So you you lose that without the refueling, whereas at least with fueling, then it's, anything, there's a much more array of options. So. For me, that was like after the stops. It was like, yeah, right, okay. What it is now is how it's going to end. And I could, if I was, if I wasn't watching it live, which I was, I could have fast forwarded it ten laps and probably not missed a great deal. Maybe, maybe down the field, like you say, the midfield battles is stuff going on. But you knew it was going to be one, two, and three fairly early on. Uh, yeah, I
0: suppose that's that's that's, that's, and, and probably that's,
1: that's the true. issue for me. You know. They said that they said that It wasn't, the two it wasn't stop- a bad race, just a bit. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, they said that a two-stop strategy was about 12 seconds slower. So, yeah. you know, how many extra laps have you got to get in then just to try and?
1: <laughs> you got to break even basically, don't yeah. you? It's no point yeah. in going for it.
0: Um, so yeah, for I guess I guess from that point of view, very strange decision because they came with with the harder tyres. Um,
1: yeah, which is is that not a little bit a conservative daunting? kind of? Should, yeah, you'd think they would have went with a softer tyre on a track like Monza.
0: You know, I'd have been interested to see because they usually do. Um, so you know, if it's super soft and soft, or soft and medium, or medium yeah. and hard, I'd have been really interested if they'd done super soft and medium. Do you know what I mean? And have the difference between the tires be like, you know, probably nearly two seconds.
1: Yeah, I, I think we've talked about that kind of thing before, and I, I'm sure I probably agreed at the time that yeah, that 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 it would at least cause a little bit of variance in the strategies, a little bit of um, unpredictability.
0: I mean, when you saw it, when when they did that, they do that little graphic now at the start of the race, don't they? Where they show what tire everybody's on, and like literally, it was like first to fourteenth, what all on the um, option the tire. Option, yeah. And it's just like, well. yeah, it was, it was like,
1: <laughs> that's one of the biggest things I love about Formula One is the the unpredictability and strategy and who's going to do what. So for me this weekend, it was like, okay, everybody's on the medium tire. They're going to do their laps, and they're going to come out, and put the hard tire on, and then they're going to do the laps, and then it's the end. And it was just like, well, that's boring. So, like, when when strategy and stuff like that and pit stops is something that I, that is something that attracts me to Formula One. This weekend didn't really have anything for me. Do mm. You get my point. Nope,
0: much well, I think I think in, that's a, an entirely justified opinion. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I can't fault you for the logic on that one at all. <laughs>
1: Adding to the fact that the results didn't necessarily go the way of my guys, and then <laughs> that just leaves me with being a grumpy so-and-so on a Sunday <laughs> evening. But like I said, it wasn't terrible. There was some good wheel-to-wheel action, certainly down the field, but it wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be my favourite Grand Prix of the season by any means. No.
0: Fair days. Well, let's start with um, qualifying, uh, which was um, kind of pretty dull, really, in terms of the, how the qualifying sessions have been for the, like, the last four or five races where, you know... <laughs> anything and everything appears to have been happening um where we got mercedes front row lockout
1: williams okay,
0: Pre- s- second row lockout mclaren third row lockout and then fernando alonso had to break up the red bull locking up the next row just it would have been quite just imu- amusing to have seen it mercedes mercedes williams williams McLaren, mclaren mclaren red bull red bull ferrari ferrari and then force india force india would have been <laughs> I'd love to have seen that. And it makes for a very interesting first corner, wouldn't it, with all of the teammates side by side?
1: Kind of goes back to what I was saying, though. Just predictability. Yeah, it was very like even qualifying predictable. You could like you'd expect Hamilton to beat Rosberg, and then you'd expect it to be the Williamses and then the McLarens. Like, I mean, Magnussen out qualifying Button. I suppose good result there, uh, especially with uh, the the drives up for grabs at McLaren. No one seems to really know what's going to happen there. So a good result for Magnussen, especially after Spa. Mm. And then, you know, the, the one thing I take from qualifying there is a bit disappointing in the Red Bulls because we praised them so highly at Spa for mm-hmm. having having speed to down the straights. We thought, well, where's this come from? And then it was back to old, the Red Bulls are down the straight line. Yeah, it's like, how can, well, I don't understand it. Surely if they just went with a similar package to spa it would have been i'm assuming
0: uh, the only thing i can assume mate and i I, it's a guess but i wonder if the rebel package at spa had a bit more downforce on it and therefore because of the variable conditions that's what helped them yeah and Mm -hmm. then they go to Monza, where everybody then drops all of the downforce and then they suddenly have yeah the lag
1: no i see what you mean
0: that's the only thing I can so think I thought it was of.
1: interesting because I expected them to be a bit better than what mm. they were. I'd expect them to be ahead of Ferrari and McLaren.
0: But. I think that's the thing, isn't it? And I, I, I think that was interesting. And, you know, I mentioned it online and I can't remember if I, I... No, I did mention it last week. And I love it when things come together and prove me right. It happens so often, I shouldn't be surprised. But <laughs> <laughs> even so, last week I said... Isn't it interesting that the McLarens are still making gains whilst the Force India is dropping further and further back? Yep. And it was born out, you know, this time. And I know Monza is a specific track, but it's the kind of track that both Force India and McLaren would be good at because it's it's a low downfall. So it doesn't require as much aero knowledge, and that's the team where both teams are lacking. But it just goes to show that McLaren, even though they're going to a completely different engine next season, can still put useful updates on the car where...
1: Force is
0: probably the same car, pretty much as it started the season.
1: I think you probably called it months ago when we were just after the first two or three races. You we were saying who's going to kick on and be be good this season. I think you said at the time you'd expect McLaren to improve, whereas you'd expect the other teams that they were fighting with at the time, like Force India, not not to not improve, but to improve at a less substantial rate. And I'm pretty sure you said that in like after like a month of the season and. To be fair, you've been proved right, so well done there, I guess.
0: Well, it's, It doesn't take very much for a Mystic Meg to know that out of all the teams <laughs> on the grid that McLaren have the capabilities of um, bringing constant updates to a car to make it better. They've done it. Like three seasons in a row, pretty much, where they've had because dismal they seasons. Bringing, but keep it,
1: bringing dogs to Albert
0: <laughs> Park. <laughs> but it means when they actually start with a fucking decent car, then, then they'll be fine. <laughs> they can really work on it.
1: I would love if McLaren had a good car next year, as long as Ferrari did as well. Yeah, you know, Ferrari, McLaren, and uh, Mercedes, Williams, Mercedes, all fighting out. It'd be oh, glorious.
0: That's what we want. We want. Remember the, the season where everybody was, you know, we had eight different winners in like yeah. nine races or what? It really, is. that that was great. It was fun to see lots of cars and not being 100 percent sure who was going to win. You know, that's Absolutely. what made Red Bull winning all the time so dull because it yeah. didn't matter. There's no, you know.
1: And the same will happen with Mercedes if it continues for more than one season. Like I'm, in, I'm enjoying the change of pace at the moment, the Hamilton Rosberg fighting out, But if if it's the same next season and the same next season after that, then I'll I'll, I'll be back to. <clears throat> the old moaning about predictability. Again. Uh,
0: I think the thing is that now that the engines have been frozen, we're not we're not going to see the big change like we did last year to this year. Everybody knows that they're going to be starting with something that looks a bit like whatever lump is in the back of all of the Mercedes cars. Um, yeah. the Mercedes aren't going to come with anything new that other teams couldn't do to the engine. So like changing the way that the turbo is configured, you know, that's not a... That's not engine specific. That's something that, you know, the other teams could do. And I believe Williams have done. So, do you know what
1: I mean? All of yeah. that
0: stuff is out there for the teams to, to learn and do themselves yeah. and, and catch up. Uh, so.
1: Definitely. Let's hope Ferrari can do it anyway. That's all I'm saying. But not hold my breath. Indeed. So, so Hamilton... Oh, sorry, on you go. No, no, go, go for it, mate. <laughs> I was just going to say, so Hamilton obviously beating Rosberg, like you said, two arms is... Two McLaren's, two by two. Should be an interesting start given the, uh, mm. the controversy. Hit Spa. Hamilton and Rosberg, first corner. First corner at no Unknown. You know, there's been a few incidents there over the one years. One or two, one or two. Tr- tricky little first corner. So are we going to see some excitement?
0: So start of the race. I mean, it all kicked off right from the very first lap in it, in a lot of ways, in that uh, Hamilton either didn't engage or his... Uh, race start mode, I think it, it was RSM. Um, I think that's what it was. Race start mode. Yeah,
1: sounds, sounds about right.
0: F- failed, so his getaway was incredibly poor, uh, which just goes to show you that the whole thing about cars don't have launch control or launch. <laughs> no bullshit. <laughs> they, <have> a, <laughs> they clearly have a specific engine mapping that <laughs> that works the best for starts, and when it doesn't work, it doesn't work pretty spectacularly. So he dropped back to fifth, was it? I think or fourth.
1: Fourth, I think he was behind Massa, so he'd be because Bottas had a similarly
0: awful well, start. Well, so he didn't. Bottas had a decent start, but he came up behind yes. Hamilton.
1: Oh, is that what happened, was it?
0: And then Hamilton got not back to fourth, but then Bottas found himself with like about three cars around him right in the middle of the track with nowhere to go, so he just had to back out. So from it's from 5th he lost 6th, 7th, and then 8th, and then I think got, got done at the next corner as well by somebody on the outside. So he dropped back to... Oh, no, he dropped back to 10th, didn't he? So he must have lost at even more places. So he just got swallowed up by the pack right in the middle of the track with nowhere to go, whereas all the people on the outside or the inside have, you know, some kind of wiggle room.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't a technical... Thing. No,
0: I think he had a reasonable start. He just got stuck right behind the one guy who didn't have a decent start. At
1: this point, obviously, I'm cheering. Rosberg moves into the lead. <laughs> uh, it was uh, was it Magnussen that was in second briefly.
0: He was well, not, not all that briefly. He was there for yeah. like, five or six laps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good start, and we had uh, Massa in third, and then Lewis. So yeah, Lewis was a bit slow for a couple of laps, trying to get his stuff together after the problem off the line, and then he kind of kicked into gear and started putting the hammer down. It
0: was it was really interesting. Actually, I was. I was surprised that Lewis was able to maintain that the pace he was doing because he was stuck behind the cars for a reasonable length of time whilst Rosberg was kind of easing out in front and I really thought that once he got past them all he might get close to Rosberg but I would have been i was surprised that he was able pretty much to breeze up to the back of him and then okay he overtook thanks to the the mistake in inverted commas, oh fuck! No. See, it, ooh, stop. It was a mistake. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so you know he he didn't have to overtake him, but I think it was a done deal. He'd have been yeah. on on him so quick.
1: Yeah, I agree. Brando mentioned I think in commentary that even w- with like just on pure pace alone between Nico and and Lewis, Lewis has always looked a quarter of a second on it more than Nico this weekend. Like he was on pole. He looked a bit quicker in practice. He just looked to have the better, you know, uh, speed around Monza. So when he dropped back, he only dropped back by about four or five seconds. So given that he had that quarter of a second, he was kind of making that up every lap. And obviously then he's he's gone to Nico fairly quickly. And that, as you rightly said, it, it leads to the mistake. Huh. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It doesn't... I, I don't think... I don't think um, Lewis would have been kept behind Nico even if it was, even if it wasn't for Nico's error. I think Lewis would have still got past.
0: No, I mean when they when they were doing qualifying and stuff, you could see, wasn't it that um, was it's it just the what, middle sector that Lewis was just yeah, it was just faster by like half a like four tenths of a second every time. And I don't
1: know whether that was to do with you know pent up aggression from Spa incident, just making him floor it, whether he just. Likes this track a bit more than Nico. don't know what it was, but at the end of the day, I think he was just that little bit quicker around Monza. He just wanted it a little bit more. Well, and, yeah, Nico damaged limitation, given the mistake that he made, brought it home in second, and keeps a healthy championship lead. But, I mean, it tells its own story. Lewis had the mistake off the line and still won fairly comfortably. So I think it was, it was always Lewis's weekend.
0: Yeah. I think... Can't remember if it was Brundle or not, but certainly when somebody broke it down and said um, the reason why Hamilton was so much quicker in the middle sector was the fact that he was carrying more downforce than Nico, um, and Nico chose not to take so much downforce to try and protect his tyres, and then that feeds into why he um, why he went through, you know. When he locked his tires and that was because he was trying to make sure that he didn't damage his tires you know the team had told him under no circumstances flat spot your tires so that you can't use them because you'll have to come in and two-stop and it will destroy your race so both times one of his fronts locked which was down to the fact that he had less downforce so his you know his car was biased towards the back brakes more than lewis's was And he just would just jump off of the the pedal and go through rather than risk his tyres and risk ruining his race. So they're all sensible decisions. It's nothing, there's no no obvious reason why it should be untoward. Do you know what I mean? Like Occam's Razor, what's the simplest answer is usually the right one. Well, I've fucked up my braking and I don't want to ruin my tyres. It's a lot more sensible than the... (laughs) my bosses have asked me to engineer the most ridiculously fabricated reason for, to allow somebody to overtake me without actually doing it on track. Like, what, really? You
1: know, but Formula One's been full of these theories for years, you know. It's it's all... I mean, remember Weber, remember Red Bull. So it's always going to be... There's always going to be a selection of people who are going to come up with these kind of crackpot theories. So... You know, it is what it is. Save your
0: sanity and <laughs> don't read them. <dumb. laughs> so, yeah, once that was done, that was pretty much race over for them. You know, Lewis pulled out yeah. and then...
1: It goes back to what I was saying at the start, you know. It looked as if the second Lewis got past. you never got the impression that Nico would ever have the ability to go challenge. So even though he's maybe saving his tyres a little bit better was largely irrelevant because he just didn't have the pace to, to make a to make an improvement on him. And, you know, for someone whose main interest in football on the season is the battle between Nico and Lewis, <laughs> it was over fairly quickly. So yeah. it goes back to what I was saying about kind of just losing a bit of interest at halfway. But, you know, as I said, Nico still got a healthy 22-point um, lead coming out of Monza. Something like that. 29 before Monza, 22 going home. There's only six races left to go.
0: Well, they, so. I think I think they've they've said, haven't they? If if it went this way all the way through to the end of the season, he'd still win, wouldn't he? I think.
1: I think it would be about even going into Abu Dhabi.
0: Is it? Yeah. I'm sure somebody said that it didn't matter if he came second in all of the no. races.
1: If he comes second, uh, it depends what Lewis does. Obviously,
0: uh-huh. if Lewis
1: wins every race and Nico comes second every race, that'll be seven points Lewis takes out every week. So then that's five races would be 35 points. So Lewis, okay. would, be, Lewis would be 13 points from front, going into Abu Dhabi. Well, who told me that
0: then? Where there's double points. I'm sure I read that somewhere that if it... Oh, well, never mind. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, if, Nico, if, Nico, if, if Lewis beats Nico one and two every week for the next five Grand Prix we'd basically go into Abu Dhabi with a winner-take-all situation of whoever wins this race wins the world title. Mm-hmm. So coming second every week for Nico, he'd still got a chance on the final weekend, basically. So he's got... I mean, it shows how good he's, his lead is, but, you know, they've both had issues at various times over the years. Someday's going to have a DNF at some point. If it's Lewis, it could be title over. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's... It's getting to net, It's getting to squeaky bum time, isn't it? It's getting to the <laughs> net. Right? It's getting exciting. So yeah, that was the that was the top two. A little like you said, some good battles behind. So
0: yeah. Although somebody who didn't have any battles and probably had the most boring Monza Grand Prix he's ever driven was Felipe Massa coming home in third for his for his first podium of the season. And realistically, it's about if you, time. Yeah. If if you look at it, that's a very poor return for I the so. senior driver in a team as good as Williams are this season.
1: Oh. He just seems to be dogged with the chronic. Like when something goes wrong, it's him. Or you know, he always just if there's an issue, it, Massa seems to have it. You know, if, if there's a a bad start and he drops his position down and he has to make up ground stuff, that always seems to be Massa. He never seems to have any of these. Just drive off the line, sit in your position and get a, get a podium. And and finally this weekend he got it. So well done. Well done, Felipe, and even more fitting, I suppose, it was at Monza after his uh, his <laughs> dismissal from Ferrari.
0: Yes, so I suspect that whilst he wasn't uh, openly like that, I'm sure there was a little bit of um, a little bit of joy in his heart to uh, yeah stick it to uh, to the Italian team a little bit by. showing am sure he was faster than Alonso.
1: I'm sure he was um, quite happy to have a boring race. It looked, as has been the case a couple of times this season, the Williams never really tried to fight the Mercedes, did they? It was, uh, you know, I think Smedley's alluded to it a couple of times as well. They know the Mercedes is probably going to be half a second quicker than them, mm-hmm. if everything's, you know, equal. So, I think they're quite at peace with letting them go, and if if the Williams just can pick up third and fourth, they're usually quite content. And that's exactly what happened this weekend. Massa you know, he didn't fight Lewis overly hard when Lewis was coming back through. And and as you say, he just had a pretty solid uh a day from there. You know, he took the car home, no problems with the strategy and finished in third. So a good race for him, but solid but unspectacular. It's pretty much what you'd what you would expect, wouldn't it? Going yeah. into it this weekend. A Williams good decent driver, decent car, decent position, you know.
0: So, Williams' other driver, after mentioning him at the start as having possibly one of the worst starts of the season, um, finished in fourth, only 20 seconds behind Massa. Now, Bottas had an adventurous race, the complete
1: polar opposite to Bottas. Well, you? he drove for Massa every started. single
0: one of the points that he got at the end of the race. That's for, for damn sure. Um, if that doesn't underline that with, you know, equal machinery, Bottas is you know wdc material there's no reason why he can't win a world title i just don't see it you know he's brave but he makes good moves he's quick but he doesn't wreck the car you know he's he's (laughs) finnish there you go then (laughs) what what else could you want in a racing driver really i mean i agree i've been singing
1: these praises for a few weeks now and this was just another case of botas just getting the job done at hand, You know, after one lap, he's in 10th position. He just gets his head down, does what needs to be done. He's never going to crack the top three at that point. There There's no way, if, given the start he had, he was ever going to realistically challenge. So his race was with the rest, and, and he beat the rest. So what can you say? Yeah, he beat who he was racing. He beat the Red Bulls. Ten seconds them.
0: ahead of the next person behind him. That's...
1: Very... I mean, the... the the Williams is a good car especially around Monza he had good machinery under him but he had to pass everybody and some people twice mm. the way the strategy worked he had to pass everybody on the track and as you say Monza not, not not loads of opportunities there's one down into turn one but maybe another one down on the back end of the track but he was every time we cut back to his battles. He was him <laughs> steaming up the inside of I don't know Vettel or Ricardo or Button or whoever it was, and get a couple of good scraps of Button at some point, did he not?
0: Yep. Um, uh, it's just we. It feels like we say it every single week, don't we, that you know Valtteri Bottas is in somewhere around the driver of the day kind of category. Yeah. Um, even, even if he's succeeds. not winning.
1: Yeah, even if he's not winning or getting podiums, he's doing things that make you sit up and take notice. You're taking notice of this guy every single week Mm -hmm. now.
0: Speaking of guys that every single week we're taking notice of, fifth place is another example of... Yep, definitely. ...drivers in the definite for a, you know, could be a world champion at some point. Daniel Ricciardo drove the nuts off that Red Bull. Dear God. Yep. Because... In fact, if anybody had a worse start than Valtteri Bottas, it was Daniel Ricciardo. who started yeah, in ninth and then ended up in something like 14th. Um, yeah.
1: I don't know how he managed to beat Vettel well, and do, because Vettel had a pretty poor strategy, but managing to beat Vettel from where he
0: was is fantastic. Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that you go, oh, well, you know, he was on a better strategy. But Vettel was um, probably at the start, if you think about it, if he was in about 5th and... Uh, three, 1, 2, 3, four. Let's say eight cars behind. Do you know what I mean? That's what we say, two two seconds a car, maybe? Give give or take as a sort of rough estimate about how much you're losing compared to somebody else with those cars in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he, he's nearly 16, 18 seconds behind Vettel by the first corner. Yep. Uh, you know, and those things generally don't get better before uh, you know uh, and to stop that much later t- and not have fallen so far back that he had to overtake all of the field Um he, he finished it, 10 seconds nearly ahead of Vettel so he remarkable. didn't just pass him and just stay in front he blitzed him so much faster like
1: he breezed past him as well once he yeah. got there Vettel was having a bit of he needed to watch his tires because he pitted so early. But you know, like we've alluded to, it's Monza. It's the hard tires you have got on. The tire wear isn't a major factor. It's a bit of a factor because it always will be. But it's not. wasn't wasn't something that was going to. He only pitted what maybe three or four laps earlier than Ricardo, possibly. Oh uh, no, a, it was eight, I think. Was it eight laps? Okay. So there was, is, there it, was a
0: difference in a lot, large, large difference in the
1: time. It's a tire, lot of but, laps, but yeah, still a um, that. Like, what can you say? Take nothing away from Ricardo. He still had to get the job done, and he did. So the question is, why did Vettel pit so early? Well, that was
0: ironically because Ricardo fell back so fast. Um, they had more of a leisurely time to find him some space to drop back into. You know, he was dropping back into bits of the track where there was less cars. Whereas Vettel was up at the front end, mixing it with people, and they decided that the best thing they could do is undercut everybody else so that they would come out in front and have the best of the clean air rather than, you know, pit later and potentially come back behind, you know, Button, Perez, Magnussen, Alonso, Raikkonen, the Toro Rosso's even, and, and have to work that much harder to get ahead. They found a nice bit of air for him, but it was a bit, you know, on the on the edge of whether the tires are going to last that last stint. I think it was a I think it was the right call. In the end, it just so happened because I don't think Ricciardo's strategy would have worked for Vettel because he'd have had too much traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, um Ricardo had the ability to put in laps whilst the track was clearing up in front of him cuz people were pitting. So he was therefore not hammering his tires in quite the same way as being behind somebody who's engine is heating the front of your car up and stuff so i don't think there was anything they could have done i actually i have sympathy for, for horner here in that so do you uh, think he yeah. had to make a quick call for for vettel to try and give him at that point the the optimum strategy and daniel was so far back that they could analyze it a bit longer and, and take their time and say well look if we pit you now all you're going to be is you know you're still going to be where you are eventually but just with shitty tyres at the end of the race you might as well try and hang it out here see what you can do see how long you can make the tyres last until it becomes untenable and then come in and at least you'll be faster at the end of the race and hopefully you can pick up some places and as it was he picked up about 10
1: (laughs) yeah no i completely see what you're saying and in fairness you know vettel beat everybody that that he was going to beat this weekend Mm -hmm. apart from his teammate you know he was never going to beat the wmc's or the mercedes really on raw pace no, no. He so, just he had to beat the. So he just got he just got a little bit of bad luck versus Ricardo with his strategy, but he managed to beat the McLarens, the Ferraris, and the Force Indias. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, speaking of Force Indias, Perez had a good drive. He was in uh, seventh. He did. He,
0: he, you know, he, I think he showed a, a level of maturity that he's not necessarily done in the, in all of his racing career. Um, <laughs> I have issues, not with him, but I have issues with the way that the stewards applied penalties, because the one person who got a penalty for having their elbows out was massively affected by it, and then both the people in seventh and eighth, I think, were both guilty of exactly the same thing, and got nothing. And I, you know, I put my hand up as a, a very much a Jensen Button fan, but he was very pushy with Sergio into the chicane just as then Sergio was pushy again when they came out of it and pushed him onto the and pushed button onto the grass. both of those things were exactly the same thing running people out of road by putting your car in a place that meant the other person couldn't put their car there which is all Magnuson did he didn't run into him he didn't you know turn his car so that he he couldn't do anything He went into the chicane with his steering lock pretty much turned full to the right, trying to make the corner, and just put his car so that Bottas couldn't accelerate through the area where his car was. Now, that that seems to me a legitimate move. If Bottas wanted to get into the chicane and make it his own, he needed to be far enough in front of Magnussen that he could could take the racing line and come across the, the chicane in front of him. And then Magnussen can't do shit because he's behind him. Do you know what I mean? But he thought that he got it all done and dusted and that Magnussen had given up and he hadn't. So he went deep into the corner, t- turned right and then suddenly found that McLaren was going to, who made the corner as well. It's not like he went really deep into the corner, like flew over the corner of the apex of the, you know, of the chicane to make it. He made the corner. So what's wrong with that?
1: I agree with yeah. you. I don't okay. want to see. I don't want to see penalties applied for that kind of incident. It's it uh, 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 it discourages wheel-to-wheel combat racing. Yes. People are scared to make moves because, or people are scared to make defensive moves because they think they'll be punished. I mean, that's twice now Magnuson's been punished in the last month. So, I, I'm 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 on your team here. I I like. I'm I would be a very lenient steward when it comes to that kind of thing. I like to see wheel to wheel racing. And if sometimes someone has to put a couple of a fingertip on the on the paint on the grass, I'm probably okay with that. But then I'm not I'm not a steward. I'm a fan who wants to see exciting racing. So,
0: you know, get moves done. Yeah. Get moves done and then the, then You know, the person defending can't do anything about it. Oh, exactly. If if you don't get the move done in such a way that you've closed the door for the person behind you, get overtaken, mate. Too bad. Banter. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Try a bit harder. Um, I I agree. I agree. You know, to be fair, in the last two races, most of the people in F1 have come out and said, we think these, these penalties are harsh. You know, Christian Horner said that he thought the Magnussen's penalty was harsh. Yeah, and you know, people said it about. Gorilla uh, said press. that as well, I think. Yeah, um, and 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 in Spar as well, people thought that the penalty was was harsh. They had a few, few other drivers saying that they didn't agree that you know, you know, in in Spa, he didn't run Alonso off the track. He took up enough. He took up maybe more room than he probably should have, but Alonso put two wheels onto the grass rather than back out of the move. So. It's not like he went, I'm going to go right over to put my right-hand tyres on the right-hand side of the track. Therefore, you have to go on the grass. See you later, mate. Have a good one. And so many other drivers have done that. Think about all those battles that Vettel and Alonso had at Monza going around the Parabolica where they fucking just ran each other literally off the road. Literally was just like, we're side by side, and now I'm going to turn left. Let's see what you do. (laughs)
1: We mentioned earlier about conspiracies, and I know, like, I'm, I'm not buying any conspiracies, but it, it almost seems like Magnussen's become a bit of a scapegoat, and you know, because he's young, they think, like, if that was Vettel or Hamilton, there's no way that would have been no. a punish, punish. No. If that was Hamilton on Rosberg, no way. Well, Can you he... imagine if that was Hamilton on Rosberg? Do you imagine... Can you imagine the reaction of Lewis got a 20-second or whatever? It was a five-second
0: It ended thing. up being five. That, that was interesting, actually. I didn't realise that, that if you get your five-second stop-go penalty in the la- the last hey, five just, laps. Just add it on, yeah. That's... Well, no, this is the thing. If you get it before the last five laps, I think it is, you get just five seconds added to your time. But uh-huh. if it's... In the last five laps, I think, or in a percentage, I can't remember what it was, then you get, because Magnussen got uh, like 25 seconds added on in Spa. Okay. Got a ridiculous amount. And it's because it's in the last five laps, which I guess is to just discourage people going, well, I'm in a one-on-one duel with this guy. I'll force him off the road and get five seconds ahead of him. And then you won't lose. You know, I've not lost anything.
1: Yeah, I see. I see the logic there, right enough. Yeah, it's a strange one because it's like, how, how can one, in, how can the same incident <laughs> cost you more? Cost you more just based on time. But like I, this, I, at it's least the same offence, but yeah, I can see what you're saying about them. They could just put them in the grass and then, because they're off the track, they'd get ten seconds clear with a lap to go, and that's yeah. it. So, yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can just about see the logic there. Yeah, uh, fair enough. <laughs>
0: but yeah. Um, so it would have been sad because it would have meant that it, it would have been realistically Magnuson in um in seventh, yeah. In seventh and, and Jensen in, in eighth. Not their best finishes, but I think given the season that the team is having, it would have been a really good result, I think. You know. Um but I have to say the all the battles between Ottas, Perez, Button and Magnuson um were all excellent. Yep. Really just such Good racing from all of them, um, and Vettel actually as well. He he put some really nice moves, in. Ricardo as well. Ricardo coming through. Ricardo's on on Kimi Räikkönen. Have you seen some of the pictures about how close their cars were? Oh yeah, yeah yeah. I've you literally that, yeah. can't see the distance in between <laughs> their front tires. It's like Jesus. Um, and
1: and, and a, a more inexperienced guy than Kimi probably would have ended up causing a crash there, you know. But he's a wise old head. He, like I like like you get drivers like Räikkönen and.
0: Well, it's, it's Kimmy's philosophy was exactly the right thing, wasn't it? It's just that I could back out of this move, but you have got to make the move stick. So I'm just going to go flat out until I have to brake, and we'll we'll see what you do at the end of this. And if I can get the jump on you by braking a little bit later or whatever, then that's the way it will work. And I'll have made the move, and you won't be able to do anything about it in the end. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Ricardo was was more than adequate on the brakes and and got ahead. But that's there's no real difference between that at 200 miles an hour and what Magnussen did with, with Bottas at 60 miles an hour,
1: you know? Like I say, it's just I feel like because it's Magnussen, yeah. if it was anybody else, they wouldn't have... They, like, I mean, let's say, if it was Hamilton and Rosberg and Hamilton got punished, they'd be uproar. Same in the last couple of seasons if it was Vettel. Same if it was Alonso. But because it's the rookie in the McLaren, it's OK? Mm, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's it seems to me like they're sort of kind of going, oh, well you get you know if you do it once then we'll be more likely to get you the second time yeah which is bullshit uh, because that's that's like like saying ah you didn't get a red card in the last game so now that you've broken somebody's leg in this game we'll only give you a yellow instead or something like that's what you're rewarding you're you're saying you know the same incident can be left unpunished by somebody else just because they didn't do it the race before Well, that's not right. The rules are the rules. You have to apply them to everybody in the same way. Otherwise, what's the point? It's all subjective, and rules should not be subjective. They should be black and white. That's That's what they're the fucking rules. (laughs) 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 Got to play by the fucking
1: rules. Yeah. So So, top ten. That that runs out the top ten, really. Um, Räikkönen was ninth behind Button, and then Magnussen after his uh, five seconds. Five seconds. uh, Finished tenth. They all finished quite close together as they crossed the line. I think didn't they? Um. There's not much between them, between like sort seventh, of eighth, 9th, tenth. Yes. It was quite quite. The cool race was
0: pretty much like that. It was. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then um, testicles of steel award. <laughs> I was going
0: to say, and then in an eleventh, <laughs> Daniel Daniel Kivat.
1: <laughs> what a what an wow that was! How did he not hit anything? <laughs> no,
0: it was just like you're going into from a really massively fast straight into a, this, one of the slowest bits of the thing, and then you suddenly put your foot on the brake pedal and nothing <laughs> happens. <laughs> just like, how do you have the presence of mind to steer it onto the grass so that you can go straight? And, and he, it, all he did was clip one of the polystyrene things. It's just yeah. like... This kid's only what? I, I forget how old he is. 19? Something 20, like that. Yeah. I think, no, I think he's like 18 or 19.
1: Yeah, like, it's just... Uh, I mean, fair play. I've been very impressed with him all season, actually. Yes. And... Uh, yeah, this was just another moment. At first, I thought it was driver error, and it was like, oh, he's made a bit of a cock up there, but then it seems like his brakes failed, and it's like, okay, fair enough, going into your 200 miles an hour, going into the first corner at Monza, and your brakes go, yeah, okay, fair enough, mate, that's 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 uh, that's fair dues. Do you know what I mean? And he, he still and only dra-
0: finished like, um, seven seconds behind Röntgen and with no yeah. brakes. Yeah, he dragged,
1: it, he dragged it round for, you know, five laps or whatever it was at the end, and Still only finished 11th, so well done. Well done, Kvyat. <laughs> I think that
0: It just goes to show why he's in the Toro Russo next season and Jean-Eric Verne yeah. isn't. Uh, I can't
1: even remember a damn thing about Jean-Eric Verne for this race, so I'm sure we'll come on to him at some point. But
0: Yeah. Uh, Nico Hülkenberg finished 12th. Um, very bad race for him, but they investigated the car after the race and found that it had floor damage, so basically he was fucked all race.
1: Well, his strategy seemed very strange at the time because he had the hard tyres on and then came in before everybody else, which just seems completely...
0: Yeah, it never got confirmed, but I, I think um, either Ted or Martin Brundle mentioned that they thought the chances are that he probably got a puncture or a big flat spot or something like that, and he just had to.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I mean that seems likely. Otherwise, why would you be pitting on the hard tyre before the guys on the option tyre have even... Yeah. It just made no sense, but the problem then was it completely hammered his whole race because mm. as i've said and moan about a couple of times one stop at monza you know an issue like that and there's no way of recovering it there's no really an alternative strategy he no. can take there he's got no options so now
0: uh-huh. is that a pun
1: hey i didn't mean that <laughs> but go away. there's one there's one for the day <laughs> so um yeah and then
0: verne and 13th behind hulkenberg who, a who after the race said that was one of his best races did he
1: apparently so <laughs> apparently so I honestly don't remember seeing him at all, but there we go.
0: No. Uh, Pastor Mandonado finished, so... <laughs> there we go. Yay. <laughs> um, then it was Sutil from Grosjean, uh, Kobayashi in seventeenth. 17th. Uh, Jules Bianchi had a bad race. I don't remember anything happening to him, but obviously something must have, because I don't think he... Oh, no, he started it. At... He didn't qualify very well, actually, did he? So maybe he just... Maybe that was just raw pace there. I think he just um, had a bit
1: of a pretty naff weekend in general there. Yeah. He's had a good season. He's allowed one,
0: I suppose. Sure enough. And Gutierrez finished uh, 19th. Something happened to him, didn't it? I don't know. Did it? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there was. Did he stop? I can't remember now. Um, hmm. Somebody remind me at some point about what happened to him. Something definitely happened because I remember his name coming up. He was the only Sauber we saw all day because nobody was paying any attention to <laughs> Um And Marcus Xer- Ericsson, who's well on his way to being a um, a candidate for the uh, F1 Rejects podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't see the point. What is I- the point of a Marcus Ericsson? not very much financial
1: you know? aid to cater on they're yes like a, they're like a third world formula one team You've got to get <laughs> yeah. donations sent and This is aid instead of christian aid <laughs> that's what this is like this is heike kovalainen for just two pounds a month you can heike kovalainen you can get him racing
0: at Caterham. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck somebody needs to do that somebody needs uh... to make that video <laughs> Oh.
1: oh God! Have I discovered the Gutierrez issue? He had a puncture because he got into a tango with Roman Grosjean. So oh yes, of course he that's did. That's that. So yeah, um, yeah. Like as you said, Ericsson he's he's there because of. I assume his sponsors are paying him to be there, and that's that's literally the end of it. Like, goes yeah. no further than that. We'll see what happens next year. Whether they could no. have they could <laughs> have two drivers in the grid or no drivers on the grid. Who knows <laughs> what the future holds for Caterham? So. Um. DNFs. Oh dear. Oh.
0: Per, per Max and poor well, Fernando. Poor Fernando certainly. Max, uh, no, he drove his car into the fucking barrier. So he, he yes. admitted it afterwards was complete driver error. So he did. It was a good interview actually. It was quite, it was quite, you know,
1: quite about it. I really map. wish
0: he would just said something like, uh, he sort of said, "Oh, Max, what happened?" And he just said, "I drove it into a wall, Natalie. What? <laughs> <laughs> did you not see it?" <laughs>
1: I actually quite like Max Chilton. he's he, quite nice. He can, he seems...
0: Yeah, he just he's
1: it's pretty much irrelevant in Formula One. But <laughs>
0: Sadly, yes. Uh, and poor old Fernando the first mechanical DNF yep. since something ridiculous like 2010 I 20, think it is. yeah, I was gonna say twenty ten, Say what no. you like
1: about Ferrari, they've got no pace, but at least they're reliable. Yeah. Um obviously <laughs> except this weekend, but um, <laughs> you know, up until now, reliability not a problem. Uh, pace and aerodynamics and engine a problem so mm. let's see if we can uh if we can combine the the bulletproof reliability that they've had over the last couple of years with some pace in the future that would be nice but not fernando's greatest uh, greatest weekend didn't qualify overly spectacularly and then was it an it engine airs possibly
0: um i think it was it was something electrical i'm sure it was um it was something along those lines
1: in front of the the home Italian fans, not a not a really a good a good weekend. You got Raikkonen coming in tenth for one solitary point, and then Alonso not finishing. Not really what the Ferrari fans want to see. Must do better.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's that's the race. Um, like like you said, I think it it was a kind of a marmite race. Not not love it or hate it, but you you either thought it was good or it was not anything really. Um,
1: That's the best way to describe it. It was just a bit of a nothing race. For me, anyway.
0: Certainly. So, star of the race. Quite a few, I think, you could Uh, probably say here, I think.
1: I so don't want to give it to Hamilton. really don't want to give it to Lewis.
0: I don't think you have to. I think there's there's more than enough (laughs)
1: people out there who... I'm going to give it to Bottas. Yeah? Just because, as we've pointed out at the start of the show, it wasn't really his fault that he ended up where he was. He had a bit of bad luck off the line with Lewis and and dropping back and, and positioning. So, uh, to get the car back to where it was, uh, overtaking, did lots of good overtaking moves, everything everything that needed to be done was done. And, yeah, why not? I'm not giving it to Lewis, so I'm giving it to Bottas.
0: <laughs> Fair uh, I think my start of the race, I'm going to go for Daniel Ricciardo. You um, seem, seem to be saying that a lot, eh? He just continues to impress, eh? Uh, yeah. I just I thought he was faultless. I think Bottas didn't wasn't always, you know, um, wasn't always faultless. But every every t- every time you saw Daniel Ricciardo do anything, it was perfect, inch perfect, millimeter perfect. In some cases, um, very composed. He d- and he always sounds it in the car when he's on the radio. So he's just like, uh, so what we're we gonna do? Okay. and And then then it does it and that's it
1: (laughs) go two seconds a lap quicker okay
0: done (laughs) Daniel we need you to uh, do a barrel roll uh, across the chicane okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I mean very composed very calm at the wheel as we've said just he's great he's really good (laughs) if you had 50 pounds to put on a Baltas or Daniel Ricciardo world championship in the next 10 years which
0: one would you pick ooh that's a difficult one. Um wow. I'd probably go Ricardo. Think I would too. I think I don't know. I it's a bit almost like Lewis and Nico, and I think I think that Bottas might possibly be the slightly faster one of the two. Okay. I, I think Bottas is the more balls out guy, but I think Ricardo's just got a little bit of. Craft, craft—you know that that little thing that maybe lifts you above just raw speed, the sort of Schumacher ability to, yep, you know, get the job done. Yeah, um,
1: Alonso-esque
0: actually as well is another. That's
1: true. Alonso is a
0: bit like that. Put him in the car and he'll just do it, and it just doesn't seem to phase him. You know, when they put him in the HRT, the shittiest car that's probably been on the (laughs) F1 grid in the last thirty years. You know, and he just, you know, he was comprehensively better than anybody else who had been in that car, and it was fucking awful. Uh, just, I just marvel at him. I think that's the thing. Bottas, I, I just, I think he's great, and if he won wins a World Drivers' Champion, you would not be surprised. But yeah, I just think Daniel Ricardo might might be special, possibly.
1: Possibly when you know Alonso hangs up his helmet. Button's going to hang up his helmet in the next couple of years. Raking in, Rosberg and Lewis even these days are getting on a little bit. They could be the two guys that sort of kick on and lead lead the way.
0: I think it's really interesting, isn't it, that you know, there's r- reports that McLaren are looking at Vettel and Alonso. Well, Vettel less so because he's not old, but you think. If if I was McLaren right now, I'd be seeing if there was any way I could pitch Daniel Ricciardo. Nice I was, I was just battle. about to say that
1: you're a McLaren fan. Surely you'd love to have Ricciardo in a McLaren.
0: If you told me that, you know, for whatever reason we'd lose Kevin Magnussen, who I think could be, could join those guys. I think he's got he needs to hone himself a bit more. I think he's more of a you know a rough diamond Still at the rookie. moment. Still a rookie. Still um, But I think he's got something special as well. But if you if you told me we'd lose Button and and Magnussen, and you said we'll have Bottas and ricardo instead i'd be she like yes it. please <laughs> uh, that's a great driver pairing as far as i can see
1: even if you kept kmag and jensen decides that you know he's had enough if you can get one of those two bought or a ricardo mm-hmm. it's a pretty good little lineup there eh? especially well, even if jensen does one more season and then you take one of them in a year's time with the honda engines and stuff Mm-hmm. Could be
0: exciting times. It could be very exciting. and, or, I, and I think the, the interesting thing is, is that kind of in in a season or two's time, when they're likely to lose Button, because I think they'll keep him for next year. So 2016 is going to be about the time when those young guys are going to be sort of you know at the end of their two and three year contracts,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it will be right for them to move to other teams and do other bits and pieces. And I just you know, it could be really exciting. I'm already looking forward almost more to like 2016. Or they this season and next season because I just kind of think it could be. Oh, it could be.
1: alternative, of course, is that Vettel joins Ferrari and um, Ricardo leads the Red Bull against a Vettel-led Ferrari. That would be interesting. Yeah,
0: indeed. All of these kind of all these possibilities
1: and permutations that you know could. Basically, we need (laughs) we need Alonso, right, and Button to just swan off into the sunset and let let the kids take over.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's primed. It's primed. Couple of
1: years' time, that's what's going to happen. I, I mean, at least, you know, you can look at the grid and see guys that are coming through. Like At least it's not like there isn't guys ready to take over, at least, which is healthy. Yes. Even, even further down, you know, Hulkenberg, he's always been talked about, which is, yep. he's a forgotten man now because he's not got the car under him. No, nope. but, but
0: Perez as well. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Perez, he's, I mean. He's not dropped off after his, you know, after that disappointment at McLaren. Do you know what I mean? He's... He's coming and he's still done another good job for Force India. He's another another good candidate. Jules Bianchi. Wow, well, yeah. He's you know. he's he's just waiting. He's
1: chomping at the bit to get in something that can score on points. So. Future's bright.
0: The future's well, red, orange, silver instead sort of that horrible greeny color that the Mercedes is. Uh, I love I Old. love the Mercedes livery. Yeah. <laughs> I do like it. It's a weird green color though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but it's nice. I like it.
0: Aqua Teal. <laughs> <laughs> Aqua Teal. So, so I, yeah. I think that's... That, oh, uh, Retard of the Race. There's not very many choices, but I think there's one standout uh, one. Retard of the Race, you say? Yes. There's one standout? Yes. Uh the man who bins his car into the barrier on the first lap
1: oh Max yes <laughs> of course <Yeah. laughs> he was so honest about it that I was going to forgive him but no yes <laughs> okay we'll give it to Chitlin the, but in defence he's got a very good retire- uh, like strike rate for finishing races second so. ever DNF yeah and like, that's pretty good like, alright then we'll let you off <laughs> there's we'll guys that off. have worked like two or three races and had more <laughs>
0: DNFs than that so. well if you <laughs> what's the strike rate between him and Pastor Maldonado race by race oh, that'd be so funny <laughs> percentage-wise like you need to compare that like. front wings lost <laughs> marcus erickson two <laughs> pastor Maldonado 56 although half of those weren't his
1: <laughs> yeah you need to include damage done to another car. <laughs> other cars <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 get like a a a total like a sum money total of the amount of damage that Maldonado's done in his Formula One career to him and like other cars. The, the damage he must be costing Formula One industry billions of pounds just by <laughs> continuing to circuit these tracks.
0: All the guys who f- who fabricate all the front wings are just like, oh, thank God this past keeping us in a <laughs> keep job. Keeping us in a job for the next six years. <laughs> I've made enough front wings to technically last three years, and we've used them up in <laughs> half a season. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Moving on, I think. <laughs> Indeed. So I think that takes us nicely to the Formula One news. The Final up Podcast. News. Oh, there's a lot of news. A lot of news this week. Um, it's silly season, isn't it? It's... Lots of... Um
1: changes and looking towards next year and lineups and speculation and all of that so where should we again
0: well the biggest news and it is by far and away the biggest news is um luca de montezemolo um he's going despite yes. at the start of the weekend saying he was going to be there for i think he said another three years yep. um he's come out and said that he is going to quit i think at the end is it the end of the season um or is it now i Probably isn't now, is it? Uh, just read the thing. Uh, oh no, maybe it is now.
1: It's um, about a month.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: October thirteenth. So about a month's time. he has got. It's like he's working his four weeks' notice.
0: And he's going to be replaced by. Um, Marcione. Marcioni, I think it is. Sergio, Sergio Mar- 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 Marcioni. Which is really weird.
1: The strangest thing about this story is 24 hours ago, the guy said, Mar- Marcioni said, Ferraro needs to improve. Montezemolo might have to go. And then 24 hours later, he's gone. Which is, is, is a bit curious. Like, Why would he say that yesterday if he was already planning on stepping down? He well, wouldn't
0: say... He wouldn't say We might make a change. (laughs) Why did Tony Uh, Fernandez say he definitely wasn't selling the Caterham team? Yeah, only to have clearly sold it and (laughs) must have been in negotiations for several months before. That's true. So it's
1: just a little bit odd that 24 hours, like it came 24 hours after the previous statement. Like, why would you not just wait and make one big announcement? It's just just weird. It was kind of weird timing. But you know, he's 67 years old, so he wasn't going to go forever. He's done a great job, but. I've been inclined to kind of agree with Marcioni a wee bit. they have been in a slump for five, six years now. We haven't won anything since 2008. So, maybe it is time to get a change.
0: Uh, I think so. Think? I mean, the thing is... De Montezemolo's kind of profile has been raised in the last few years, it seems. But he's been with the team for a very long time, and he was with them making the same decisions when Schumacher was winning title after title with them. So... Do you know what I mean? It's not a case that he replaced somebody else and then Ferrari went to the shitter and they've been shit ever since. Mm -hmm. You know, he presided over their arguably their best their best time in Formula One. So
1: I think think he's basically Arsene Wenger. He's been there through some great times, but now he's it. it, It's not happening anymore. And there's only so many years you can persevere in mediocrity before having to say, "Look, let's let's shake it up," because. You yeah. know, it becomes a point. At what point you have to you have to make the make the change at some point. You know, he's sixty seven. He's not like he's going to have to retire at some point. Might as well do it now when the team's in relative crap. and 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 then we can start. The new guy can come in and essentially start from scratch and go like, I think that's it? Whereas if you left at the end of a title winning season, and then the new guy come in, then you're. <laughs> continue with the football now, then you're Alex Ferguson and you've left a, a team that's won something and bringing in a new guy who wants to implement his old ideas, and his new ideas, sorry, in an already successful team who have their own set way of doing things.
0: Well, and then you get so, judged immediately on the previous success yeah. and that's unfair, exactly. isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't follow that just because so, you have one good season, the next season is always... It's always yeah. good, and that's true of pretty much every sport, isn't it? So Exactly.
1: So this guy, the new person that's coming in, whatever setup he wants to implement, he's essentially got a blank canvas because the expectations have never been lower, really. Well, given, given
0: that Fiat's biggest success potentially is the Fiat 500, I'm expecting to see a very, very small Ferrari car next
1: year. <laughs> I like the Fiat 500. Um, you yeah, uh, fucking
0: uh, girl. Jesus.
1: I like wee cars, I'll be honest. I like wee cars. <laughs> got a, got a soft spot for a wee, a wee hot hatchback. <laughs> but, um... Well, at least we now
0: know what Jennifer's uh, pet name is. <laughs> so, yeah. <we>, um, <laughs> uh, got... Is she going to be listening to this week's podcast or you maybe just subtly not let her listen to this one?
1: <laughs> so new guys coming in, <laughs> moving swiftly on. <laughs> and, you know, as I've clearly alluded to, changes happen, probably the right time to make them. I'm excited. Let's see what we've got. We don't know what's coming next year. Literally, it could be anything. It could be a world-beating car, or it could be an absolute dog, or anything in between. Mm-hmm. So let's just go with it. I'm open-minded. As long as Fernando Alonso stays, I'm not bothered. Well, Kimmy, I like Kimmy. I love Kimmy as much as the next guy. But if he left, I wouldn't be as upset as if Fernando left. So as long as Alonso's still there, I'm... that's the only that's the only constant I need to see from Ferrari 2014 to Ferrari 2015. Make all the changes you want, just keep hold of Fernando. Simple as that.
0: So the interesting thing is, essentially, they're, they're doing what McLaren did last season. Isn't it? It's all change. Yep. Do you know what I mean? New heads, new team directors, and all the other bits and pieces. And, you know, maybe that is exactly what they need. You know, in, in both cases, it's, you know, in McLaren's case, it seems to have paid off more. There seems to be a bigger galvanisation in the team than than the previous season so you know wait and see
1: yeah it might take till 2016 before it really shows it might be like McLaren this year it might be next year's a transitional year for Ferrari mm-hmm. but these are things that all great sports teams need to go through you yeah. don't no team has ever won every single season of their career that's not possible it's not realistic uh uh
0: Braun GP
1: oh okay they won what <laughs> season but then they morphed into Mercedes and went through three years of
0: crap. I so. suppose, if you're going to say that. But mm-hmm. statistically, the statistics say Braun GP have a 100% seasons entered, seasons one record. Right,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Ross Braun loves that. I bet, I bet he that. does. You probably
0: have the stats pinned to his wall. Got a big t-shirt. <laughs> Look, 100% success rate Braun GP. <laughs> it's written on it. And he wanders into the Mercedes garage wearing it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah like no team's ever going to be without hard times yep they all suffer them mclaren suffered them Williams have suffered one of the biggest yep ferrari they'll be back the ferrari they'll be back but well it takes a year two years three years who knows we'll wait and see mm-hmm. but i am not overly disheartened by this change put it that way As a, as as a long time ferrari fan i'm not disheartened
0: cool uh great news um Having mentioned his name once already in the podcast, Michael Schumacher is now convalescing at home. Great and He's officially being released from, um, not to the Grenoble hospital, it was the one he went to in, was it in France?
1: Yeah, he went to a wee private one somewhere. A wee sec- more secluded for, uh, I'm not 100% sure where it was, truthfully, but, yeah, he moved out of the Grenoble one to a smaller, more private hospital, and now he's gone home. So, this, this is great news, because, I'll be honest, I genuinely thought he was going to die, so... Like, uh, obviously, I'm I'm delighted with this news.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I think we we all send, as we always have done, our, you know, our best wishes to Shimi and hope that he makes the best recovery he possibly can. And uh, you know, hopefully, one day we'll we'll see him back somewhere in Formula One. you know, even it's just to see him in and around doing a Nicky Lauder <laughs> coming on TV calling things bullshit, that'll be fine with me. Are you there, Sean? Yeah. Alright, sorry, mate, you were so oh, quiet, I thought you'd shut <laughs> <fucked> off.
1: I was <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for you to carry on with
0: story. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I thought <laughs> I thought I'd tailed it off nicely so that you'd you'd jump in with the, with your next news uh, story. Okay, fair enough. I'm just trying to decide which one we'll go for. <laughs> uh well let's think? let's talk about the other biggest thing in Formula One, which is the fact that a random ex Williams employee decided to put on twitter saying that this is the last year of s1 as we know it. It's like the apocalypse, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the end is nigh. <laughs> I love this story, I think Repent-y it's brilliant sinners. I think for... the story
1: is brilliant for two reasons. Like one because I think the idea he's got is actually great, <laughs> but also just the way he's got about it is brilliant. So yeah, I think it's fantastic.
0: So you're you're up for three car teams then is that sure? Your... I've
1: always been up for three car teams. I always have. He uh I just... I, it's like in football. Again, i back to football. I like it. I like Spain. They have B teams in the lower leagues, and I quite like that. And I, I would like this... I'd like it in Formula 1 as well. Uh, I just think it'd be really exciting. Imagine having three uh, Mercedes. Oh, they could all be battling for the World Championship, or you could have two... Like Ferrari could have their two World Champions and then Jules Bianchi. I, I think it leads... Like, you wouldn't get a situation where... McLaren had to boot Perez out the team because they wanted to get Magnuson in the team because they'd always have that third car where they could just take a risk on a young driver. So I think you'd see young drivers getting risks taken on them and put into a top car, and then like it's relatively risk-free. I mean, obviously they're going to score points in the constructors' championship and they'll want to win that, but they're much more likely to take a take a risk on an academy driver. Do you think? I think they would
0: be. Why? I think if you could have, um, Vettel- Hamilton and Alonso, because you're Mercedes or you're Ferrari, and you have the budget to be able to spend what you like on driver salaries. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you do that? It's not that they wouldn't
1: do it. I just don't think we would see it in reality. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't think. you How, could how have...
0: much is Ferrari paying for Kimi and Alonso this season? When there were other hmm. other options. I know, but well, I, I just—it's hard. <sighs> It, it would be nice. I'd like to think that that's what they'd do. I just don't think that they'd do it.
1: I think I think that they would. I can't see a team of like Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel all being in the same team. I think that's madness. I don't think the drivers would want it. I don't think the team would necessarily go for it. I think, I think teams in general like structure. I think they like a number one and a number two most of the time. And um, I think teams would have two top. I think they would essentially get two number ones, or or and then and then a a younger, less experienced kind of guy. Mm. I, I just that that's my gut. My gut tells me that that's what we'd get. I don't know. I like the idea of three car teams.
0: I always have. I think it starts off like that, but I think the soon as soon as one team gets three good drivers in it, so let's just say for instance it's Red Bull, and they have Vettel and they have Weber and then Ricardo comes along. Mm-hmm. You end up with three really good drivers. Yep. Compared to another team that's got two drivers and maybe one average driver, so the team with three good drivers automatically has a massive advantage over the other team.
1: But who's to say that the alleged average driver, like that, that would be a Magnussen or a Bianchi.
0: But that. But the point is, they're still going well, to be good. Well, they still might be good, but if they're not as good as the other team, or uh, and we're talking literals here. I'm not saying. You know, it, it's down to personal opinion. I'm literally saying, you know, it, it's McLaren with Button and Magnuson and then they ha- uh, have, um I don't know, fucking Kamui Kobayashi in the 30s. <laughs> and I'm just trying to think of somebody who doesn't score lots of points or anything like that.
1: But you wouldn't get such... you I don't think you would get an extreme as that. I don't think you I, would get... Well, uh, I don't think you would get like a button and a Magnuson and and then a fucking Max Chilton or something like that. I think you would. You don't know, do you? We don't know. But I'm just, we're just, I'm just predicting. I'm just. It's what my hunch tells me. I reckon we'd see. We'd we'd at, at best, I think we'd see two top drivers and then a relatively hot prospect. And at worst, we'd see three brilliant drivers in the same team, which would still be. I think brilliant to watch. yes Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, and Sebastian Vettel all driving this year's Mercedes, going for the world championship. Oh, okay. be that would absolutely carnage. Pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like I just—if someone said to me, "Right, we're going to get rid of Marussia, Caterham, and Sauber, and everybody else is going to get a different, I a third car," I—I
0: wouldn't like it. Because I, I don't it, think that's... That, to me, isn't Formula 1.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're so then... You then go down to eight teams. What if Mercedes say, fuck this Formula no, 1, it's not worth it? You know, Red Bull say, this is a such a massive money sink now with six cars we're paying for because they run Toro Rosso. And they go, well, no, no. No, I don't think so. Um, you then suddenly go, okay uh six teams four cars (laughs) when does it end i get i get your point i just kind of think you need to have lots of teams i agree and what you need to do is make it easier for teams to join formula one and the problem is it's not because the wealth dispersal is wrong because you get fuck all for coming low down on the on the list you don't get points as a constructor you don't get prize money outside of the top 10 what's the fucking point? You you know, this that's Bernie bullshit, that is. And it's Bernie and the team's bullshit because none of the big teams give a fuck. They just want to get the maximum they can. So when they say, well, you can have more money, but it just means the teams at the end of the grid aren't going to get anything. You know, it, my favourite teams included all go, yeah, no, that fucking sounds good. <laughs> no, I know. I, I definitely hear you. So but I, 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 I want to see fair. that if, you know, if Mercedes win 20 million for winning the Constructors' Championship, I'd still like to see um, Marussia and Catrum getting one or two million for coming at the end of the season. I know it's a consolation prize, but it's Yeah, still, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think They're that's... trying just as fucking hard within their means as Mercedes are. Yeah, so I agree. We need to, pr- we need to help those teams get established. And then... It doesn't, you know, and where's the problem? We're only having to do eight car, th- you know, 18, three car things because we we kill off all the new teams.
1: I'd like to see 10 teams, three cars, 30 cars in the grid.
0: <laughs> that would be fucking... Have you seen, like, IndyCar or the, um, like, Champ Car and stuff where they have that kind of number of fucking cars? It's just mayhem. It's mayhem. Let's do it. Jesus. <laughs> Why the fuck not? I
1: don't know. I want to see. I want to. I, I'd like to see third car teams, but equally, I want to see the teams survive and stay in the sport. So, if you told me twelve teams, two cars, twenty-four cars, or eight teams, three cars, twenty-four cars, I don't want to see eight teams. But if you told me we're going to have thirty cars, <laughs> then I might. Then, then three, third car teams. My, I, I'd be open to it. The but just away from that, the hilarity of the story is like, who is Adam Parr? What former Williams CEO has tweeted this? Adam Parr. Mm-hmm. It's the way he's worded it. This is the last year of F1 as we know it. The end of the world is coming. It's like, no, it seems so like, what? What? Why would someone tweet that? If it wasn't true, and I and I know it isn't. I mean, it's not going to be true. But like,
0: there's no is way he, it'll happen next what,
1: what, year. It's why just, is he tweeting that? If it, what, what, what is? What, I'm trying to get into this guy's mindset and, and find out why, why he is coming from. What benefit is he to gain from? I tweets? don't know. It's, I think he was the CEO so of silliness. Williams at
0: one of their worst times in their history. So <laughs> <laughs> strange, strange. Story. I possibly would not trust anything he says because he's clearly clearly at some point he went to Frank Williams and said, "Do you know what?" I can make this team really good again, and Frank went, "Okay then, let's 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 see you." And then he didn't, and then he fucked off. And I mean, now like, they're getting good again. So there you go. <laughs> Let your daughter do it, mate. That's the way. That's, yeah, that's the way to I run your like Formula worked. One team. Yeah,
1: he's just such a strange story. It's it's like nobody would even was even speculating about this no. thing. It's so out of the blue. It's not like there'd <laughs> been a few rumblings. So there might be three car teams next year. Have you heard about that? No. This is just like one day. This has just appeared from nowhere. Like really strange.
0: Yeah, it's so like coming into work is? one day and somebody going to say, well, tomorrow they're going to nail all of our desks upside down on the ceiling. We're going to have to work upside down. They'll be like, <laughs> the fuck? When, when, the, when was this all decided? Why <laughs> is it. it happening so yeah. quickly? So, I don't think so. Singapore's
1: coming up and Sebastian Vettel's going to have his fourth chassis of the season. Hey, th- uh, third in
0: three races.
1: Yes. I don't know whether that's... You never hear about chassis changes. I assume most teams use more or less the same ones all year.
0: I think the thing is, it's incredibly the chassis is very expensive to build, so you yeah. don't build them unless you possibly, you know, unless you really have to.
1: Um, well, he's needing four of them, and we're only sixty-six percent away through the season. So,
0: well, maybe um, Ricardo's only used one, so it'll all even out. He's just taking the spare ones that Ricardo yeah. would have had. Perhaps it's
1: just, Perhaps. <laughs> it just it's, it's just not working for Vettel at all. Is it? It's just not nothing is, is he's just getting no no slice of luck at all. So
0: I think he stopped naming them as well now. Which probably <laughs> just, doesn't help. Probably
1: had that many. <laughs> They're all just called cunt. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: not that fucking cunt. <laughs> what that fucking cunt's done to it's me? Right.
1: he'll be, get he'll get a red one in a couple of years
0: oh dear Um, in other news uh, Lopez of um, Lotus says the E22 (laughs) is badly designed (laughs) no (laughs) shit the
1: award for the best statement of the year
0: (laughs) Ah. (laughs) due to Ah, a
1: design flaw where the E22 chassis yeah clearly
0: (laughs) (laughs) due to a design flaw where we we fitted one of the seats to pastor maldonado <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yes <laughs> pastor maldonado is never going to not be like fun to rip like
0: no as
1: long as he's in formula one he's getting the piss taken out of him it's never going to but it's never going to settle down like we've had to go at Vettel over the years and you know now it's kind of calmed down we don't really talk we don't give him too much stick pastor maldonado
0: is always going to get stuck <laughs> um one other piece of news um in a move that clearly shows that uh, your F1 drivers' life can mirror your the rest of your life, Christian Albers has already been yeah. f- resigned from Caterham. <laughs>
1: meant, to, meant to mention that earlier, yeah. it was a strange one because he's only been there what, like two months? Yep.
0: So he cited family reasons for going, but it's just kind of like really. I, I just somehow don't think you take the job of being the team principal for <laughs> a Formula One and then go. Actually, n- nah, I'm um, missing the family a bit much. I'm going to go home. <laughs> it's so strange, yeah. Uh,
1: the team's advisor, Colin Collis, remains in place. So bad news for Caterham then. Yes. Because Colin Collis is a bell So <laughs> 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 He sounds like a fucking Bond villain.
0: He does, he Colin does actually. <laughs> or a wrestler. <laughs> Weighing yeah. in at 365 pounds, he Colin is your Colin world Colin heavyweight champion, Colin Collins. That's exactly what he is. He, he is. He's a wrestler.
1: Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, bad news for Caterham. I and like I said earlier, like if they were not on the grid <laughs> next year...
0: Yeah, you're not going to be all that upset. I'll be upset because yeah. they all seem like nice people, but, you know, It's, it's...
1: not happening for them, is it?
0: Yeah. Um last piece of news then before we finish up the show 20 season draft calendar uh, 20 season next season's draft calendar is out which has oh, really? 20 races on it I must have missed that uh, yeah it came out just a bit just before the start of the race weekend um, running order will be Australia starting yay
1: good that's the way it should be that's the only way it should be uh, followed Man- by is- Malaysia
0: bring your Wellingtons yep. Bahrain um, hmm. bring a pillow uh, uh, China. Um, yes. Uh, Spain. Um, bring probably a bed. Bring a hairpin. <laughs> so, bring so bring, you, a, bring a hairpin. Bring a hairpin. <laughs> bring a hairpin. <laughs> a hairpin. Uh, Monaco. Bring your wallet. Um, Canada. Uh, bring your bagged milk. <laughs> uh,
1: Austria is the next one. I was just trying to think of uh, <laughs>
0: Austria bring your um fascist dictator um Britain um, to <laughs> bring a tent bring a cup of tea got the camp man it's the only
1: way. <laughs> we should camp Silverstone in the next couple of years yeah hey. so just take a, th- take some beers down get a tent that's the way silverstone should be done
0: absolutely um I'm definitely up for that uh Germany bring your beer uh Bring your
1: world champion.
0: (laughs) Bring your world champion. Uh, Hungary, bring your... um, (laughs) Team orders uh, at Mercedes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That really made me laugh. Um, uh, Belgium, bring more beer. Um, Italy, bring your uh, pasta. Bring your Ferrari hat. (laughs) Bring your Ferrari hat, even if you're not a Ferrari fan. Uh Singapore, uh bring a night light. Bring a bring a sun. <laughs> bring us bring the sun. I'd like uh. to
1: see it done in the day. <laughs> I was gonna mention this when we go into Singapore, but the night races, I'm so over <laughs> really the, the niche of them, yeah. because like... uh, it's
0: because it's they've done more than one now, so it's kind of yeah, it's just... when so... it was one, that's great. When it's three, or it's like uh no, sorry, not bothered. Uh Jiprang, um, no, I noticed don't have a I
1: just briefly they don't have a, sur- uh, a date for Japan. It's got two dates there. So. Oh yes. Maybe uh, we'll do it twice. 27 and 4. Suzuka is a good track. If you want to do it twice then,
0: <laughs> then let why not? <laughs>
1: good track. R- Russia. <laughs> what are you gonna bring to Russia? Uh, your AK, <laughs> bring your AK-47.
0: Bring your human rights. Uh Mexico, um, no need to bring your own drugs. <laughs> uh United States, also bring your AK forty seven. Uh Brazil, um Bring your Rubens Barrichello. Bring, bring your Rubens. Uh, Abu, Abu Dhabi. Um, Don't bother bring, coming. Don't bring yes, yes. <laughs> Um bring, bring, bring single points. Bring single points. Bring one point. <laughs> oh, oh, that, that was, was brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> I like <laughs> that.
1: No, talk about the calendar uh, in serious fashion. Nothing really that jumps out at me there has been particularly uh, groundbreaking.
0: No, yeah. just Mexico so, isn't. Is the actually only new? Looks like a pretty, uh, pretty
1: standardised calendar we've come to expect over the last ten years. You know, I got Malaysia second. It's good. I like having that in the second. Melbourne opening is the only way it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Monaco, Canada back to back. Well, a couple of weeks in between. That's good. Good to see Austria. I enjoyed that this year. Uh, the the ones that I don't really like. Abu Dhabi, we're not gonna get rid of that anytime soon because of the money. Same goes for Singapore, so yeah, it's pretty pretty decent calendar. I to think at least runs.
0: they've put Singapore is now between Italy and Japan. So whereas before I think it was um it was further on in the calendar where they had a load of really quite poor races near the end of the season. It's mm. it's been sort of jigged around now and it sort of sits in between the the first, first flyaway, so you kinda of get it over and done with before Stuff, yeah. Socky has had good reviews from the people who have seen it. So, well, I'm open-minded. As shit as the country, maybe. Um, you know, don't shoot me. Um,
1: <laughs> that's it. We'll be. That's it. We're done as a podcast. We'll be bombed for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, the track is apparently very good. Vettel drove it and said he thought it was a a, a decent track. So um you know we'll reserve the right as an effort you know yeah. sport is not politics and yeah
1: exactly if it's a good track i'll like it simple as that you know
0: we went to bahrain and when you know that's got terrible things and abu dhabi does as well we just conveniently ignore them most of the time so i'm going to conveniently ignore it for russia at this point
1: point. one question yes when is azerbaijan coming is that not 2016 next year? 2016 right okay
0: the european race the new european race in azerbaijan yeah,
1: that, that blows my mind like yeah <laughs> anyway
0: uh indeed well that's that's the news so the last thing that we need to do before we can finish the podcast is what does this track look like
1: singapore and it looks like nothing oh. it looks like do you think it looks like stuff i think it looks like a mess but um <laughs> well it probably does um you know what do we expect for singapore
0: Who do you think it'll be quick um I fancy the Red Bulls will be a bit more on the pace. I agree. I agree. Um so Ricardo dancing could with the horse. I mean the Mercedes are still, you know, should still be up there, yeah, but there's plenty of straight bits for them to be fast on. So uh, Yeah,
1: are are the Red Bull going to be the the next guys is the question.
0: I think they've got a chance. I don't think the Williams will be as competitive as they have been in the last few races.
1: I think Nico is going to do Lewis this weekend coming up.
0: It would be the track that I would I would think would be a good one for Nico. He went really well in the Williams here before in the past in you know, an yep. uncompetitive, fairly uncompetitive car. So I. I've you know. had
1: a couple of good races in the Mercedes and the Schumacher days. Yes, as that's well, true as well. So, yeah, I fancy Nico. And I, and if I was having a really outside bet, Lewis not to finish. Put he's
0: it. not had a lot of luck at Singapore. Actually, he's had a put few DNs, in the
1: not he? Yeah, I can see him putting it in a wall or something. I just got—I don't know why. No, no evidence really to base it on. Just a mm. hunch. So Nico for me, uh, and uh, yeah, as I said, Red Bull maybe for for the places.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I kind—I think that's—I think that's—that's that's fair enough. Um, so. What do we think the track looks like? I think <laughs> I think it looks like a dog that's leading its head over to sniff the ground. So the right-hand side is its tail. And mm-hmm. It's got its two little... It's got its legs. Oh,
1: yeah, I see it. It's in the head. Yeah, the head I is
0: sort it. of... You know, yeah. Admittedly, the head is lower than its legs, which the bit, is a the bit, where the, two,
1: the bit where the two 90 degrees nearly touch is, is like neck. a neck. Yeah. Yes. I see it, I see it. yeah. Yeah. Uh...
0: Other than that, I must admit, I'm... It's
1: a weird track design. It's really strange. Oh, wait a
0: minute. No, it's... um, It's the... You have to... You'll have to bear with me on this one as I describe it. It's a cobra coming out of the basket whilst it's being snake-charmed. You have, to, <laughs> you have to turn, the, turn it nine degrees to the left. Right.
1: Okay. I see. Oh, I see it. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's doing that kind of...
0: Yeah, I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I took on a lot of imagining to get that. It was... I mean,
1: we're getting. I mean, that's that's good. <laughs> we're getting better at this game.
0: <laughs> getting more creative, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, so, there's not a lot there
1: though. So there I'm,
0: isn't I'm... a lot in a lot of ways. I think that probably that pretty much sums up Singapore in quite a lot of ways. As I
1: hinted at earlier, it's not one of my favourite tracks. So I'll, <laughs> uh...
0: you've got ten days to learn to love it, mate. So. I will.
1: Happily embrace it with open arms if Nico gets a win on the board.
0: <laughs> well, Lewis gets a win, I hate
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. I am that fickle. Fair, dues. Oh, fair days. We We're not journalists.
0: Optimistic. We have. We don't have to have any integrity at all. We can hate who we like and Damn right. like who we
1: hate. <laughs> so yeah, Nico for me. That's my uh my. Yeah. Tip. I'll go with you on that one.
0: Well, I think that kind of nicely takes us towards the end of the show um wrapping up about an hour and a half again as we we like to do every week um not every week sorry every episode uh every race yeah (laughs) that's that's a bit closer to the truth every race um thank you very much for listening to us as always you can catch us in lots of different places we are expanding our media empire to include uh the new podcast service called uh tune in uh, which you can download as an app and you can stream our episodes from there or download them. Uh, you can, as always, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, and if you do, we'd love you to leave us a little review or just rate the podcast. If you just you know, click on the stars or, or if you can find the time, just leave us a little re- review and let us know what you like and dislike about the podcast. That would be absolutely wonderful. You can, as always, go to our website and download or stream the uh, episodes as and when they become made available on there. And that's modernfanatical.co.uk. And we always try and keep ourselves going on Twitter so you can reach us at Last Lap Podcast. I've got to stop myself saying the old name there. Sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We are on Facebook. I can't give you the URL because that also has the wrong name in it. But if you search for The Last Lap Podcast on Facebook, you'll find our page there. We put up all of the links to all of our episodes put down the odd pieces of news and it's the place that we'd like to interact with you guys so yeah leave us some messages uh, let us know your thoughts on the races all the podcasts we'd really really love to hear from you absolutely and if you're really desperate to speak to us we both got our own personal twitters where we put random junk of all kinds um my one has been very very random this week I apologize to anybody who is following me on twitter <laughs> not really been on twitter <laughs> I've
1: been kind of in a bit of a Hole for a while. I need to get back it. It's this independence thing. I can't handle it. I cannot. Have not- I'm sick of hearing <laughs> about it. So I'm hiding in my hiding under my desk
0: until it's all over. I thought we managed to get away with not talking about it. So. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. That's fine. Well, if you want to uh, berate Sean about whatever way he's going to vote uh, on Thursday, oh, he God. is at Fog on the Fourth, and I am at Mangal Megs. And uh, again, like I said, we'd love to interact with you. Yep. See what you got to say about pretty much anything to do with the F1 or the show or pretty much anything, really. Sean, there's yep. nothing else to say. No. That's really good.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, yeah, just...
0: Oh, fuck, I don't, I don't even want to say. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> On that bombshell. <laughs> That's the end of the show, folks. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Cheers, cheers bye.